0: Howdy, folks. My name is Josh King, and welcome to Podcast Talks, where we look to an old book to help us live as new men. Podcast Talks is a ministry both of and for Meridian Church. If that ain't you, no worries. Stick around. Be our guest. Today's reading comes from the conclusion of Jonathan Edwards' dissertation, The End for Which God Created the World if you also watch rightly dividing and you view the soon to release episode 4 on Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 where Jesus says i am or excuse me you are the light of the world if you if you listen watch that rather i i think you'll see why this particular passage was on my mind this week I can't recall whenever I first read it. I know the first time was somewhere in the ballpark of two thousand six, and that I reread it in two thousand seven. But I do remember distinctly in that time frame being thrilled, elated, with this particular passage, experiencing deep joy when I re- when I read it. Now, Jonathan Edwards is widely regarded as the greatest, someone put it something like this, the greatest theological mind that North America has ever produced. Whether or not that's true, I think it is healthy for us to regard the greatest minds as lying behind us instead of with us or in front of us. I think this is a good habit to have because, first, we stand on their shoulders. If we pluck the sweeter fruit higher up on the tree, it's because we stand on their shoulders. And where we may be correct, I think it's often because they ventured to be wrong, and we, we are helped not only by their, their brilliance, but by their errors. And second, this prevents us from buying into the myth that we're progressing, we're evolving. It disenchants us with the notion that the new and novel are always better. Well, even so, Edwards is arguably a contender for the greatest mind North America has produced. But Edwards was more than a big head. Indeed, it was only near the end of his career that his focus was academic in nature, he shortly very briefly at the end of his life served as president of the college of new jersey which later became princeton before he died of a smallpox inoculation his first major service came as pastor of the church in northampton massachusetts where he served roughly 24 years And afterwards, he served as missionary to the Mohican Indians for about seven years. In reference to the colonies, he, along with George Whitfield, were the biggest figures in relation to the Great Awakening. Now, in the work we're going to look at today, Edwards answers the ultimate why we creatures should be concerned with. Why did God create? And the answer will be apparent from our reading. But before I get to it, I want to recommend to you John Piper's God's Passion for His Glory, which contains the full text of Edward's dissertation, and helpful chapter breaks, section breaks, headings, footnotes, and an introduction to Edward's. And today I'll be reading from Volume 1 of the works of Jonathan Edwards, published by the Banner of Truth, page 120. The emanation or communication of the divine fullness, consisting in the knowledge of God, love to Him, and joy in Him, has relation indeed both to God and the creature, but it has relation to God as its fountain. As the thing communicated is something of its internal, in, internal fullness. The water in the stream is something of the fountain. And the beams of the sun are something of the sun. And again, they have relation to God as their object. So they have relation to God as their fountain and their object. They flow from God. They go towards God. For the knowledge... Communicated is the knowledge of God, and the love communicated is the love of God, and the happiness communicated is joy in God. In the creature's knowing, esteeming, loving, rejoicing in, and praising God, the glory of God is both exhibited and acknowledged. His fullness is received and returned. Here is both an emanation and remination. The refulgence shines upon and into the creature and is reflected back to the luminary. The beams of glory come from God, are something of God, and are refunded back again to their original, so that the whole is of God and in God and to God, and He is the beginning and the middle and the end. So, here are two antique silver dollar words to let jingle in the pocket of your mind today, emanation and remination. Now, emanation is not a word completely alien to us. We still speak of things emanating today. It means coming from a source. You 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 sense that with Edwards writing here that God is is the source of the knowledge of Him of of no, of of um of knowing Him of of rejoicing in Him. These things, the knowledge, the love, the joy that we have in God, are something that comes from God. Remination is likely, though, met with underlined red dots in the word processor of your mind, but it simply means that what has emanated from a source returns back to that source. So why did God create? For his glory is a concise and excellent answer. And it's the overarching answer. But to dig into that a bit, in reference to the redeemed, we could say that, that he created for the emanation and remination of his glory. And in the whole of Edward's work, he draws richly on the scriptures to demonstrate that God created for His glory. Today, let's just consider two texts. 1. Romans 11.32 For from Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. All things are from Him, through Him, and to Him. At their origin they are from Him. At the end, they are to Him, and everywhere in between, they are through Him, also that all glory might go to God. And we could amass text upon text upon text demonstrating that God does all that He does for His glory. This is the purpose of everything that has emanated from Him, and everything has emanated from Him, and thus this is their purpose. But the second text I want to read speaks of the remination of his glory. And this is what thrilled me. This is what, what Edwards illumined from the scriptures that caused me great joy. And so listen now to Jesus's high priestly prayer. I'll read the beginning and the end of that prayer in John chapter 17, the most beautiful prayer ever recorded. And um, I'll read the, the first and make some comments and then read the end and make some comments and I'll leave it to you to fill out the middle, see how it relates to, to the beginning and the end. So John 17, 1-5. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son... That the Son may glorify you. Do you see emanation and remination right there? Father, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. And this is eternal life. That they know you. Now remember, Edward said that part of what emanates from God is the knowledge of Him. So this is emanation now from the Father. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now see, there is this work given by the Father to Christ. There's a kind of emanation, and Jesus receives this work, and he returns it back to the Father, glorifying the Father. And then he asks, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. We could go elsewhere to make this plain, but we're getting a more precise answer now as to why. Why did God create? For the glory of his Son in the redemption of, Of those the Father gave to him. In this redemption, eternal life is given to those given to the Son. And this eternal life is the knowledge of God, the God from whom and to whom are all things. And so now listen to the way this prayer ends John chapter 17, 22 through 26. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. So here's this emanation from the Father. The Father is glorifying the Son, and the Son gives that glory to them for what purpose? Well, as you're reading the text, and as you're following along, it's clear that this glory is given to the saints for remination of, of returning glory to the Father. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Now, often I have heard God painted as though He were some pining lover. He created for a relationship. He he was it, it paints him as lonely and desperate. He's trying to woo those he he loves. So desperate for a relationship. And what often happens is this is this is done to such an extent that it makes God to center on man. It makes man to be God's God. It makes God to be an idolater a worshiper of man. And however good this may make us feel, it is ultimately devastating because needy creatures do not need a needy God. We need a flowing fountain, not a dry pit. We need something to fill our cup, not something to empty our cups into. And Edwards does not take us to the dry and cursed ground of humanity to answer why. He leads us to an eternal and infinite fountain. Creation flows from the eternal fountain of God's glory and it flows into the infinite ocean of God's glory. And all along the stream, His glory is advancing effectually, unstoppably, from Alpha to Omega. And what Edwards demonstrates is that God, in creation, intends for those that He gave to the Son to get swept along in this current. The light of God's glory that we have seen in the face of Jesus Christ that has pierced the darkness of our own souls does not grow dim for the travel. God's glory in Christ for the saints doesn't just flow from God, it carries us back to To God, the flow of the fountain sweeps us along back to the source. This is not a stream that as it carries you along, it grows less in intensity and further from its source. This is a stream that as it carries you along, it grows stronger in intensity and nearer to its source. And one day, we will be immersed in it. Meridian Church, I love you. Grace and peace.